This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Quality Edge Vesta Steel Siding. Steel siding that never fades and offers a guaranteed lifetime warranty. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jance. My guest today is Margaret Jones. She's a former journalist and currently head of content at Airtable, an organization that builds itself as a low-code work management platform. So we're going to have to unpack what that means. But Margaret, thanks for joining me and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I am very excited to unpack all of that with you. So so let's just start with that term because I think sure. that kind of came about probably I, I suspect that term came about because I've used Airtable for a long time. You know, people have used it with me in, in collaborative things. And, you know, it used to be a fancy spreadsheet and, and database mm-hmm. kind of thing. And it's so much more than that now. And I think the idea to to incorporate it as a low code work management platform sort of is trying to encompass the fact that it does a lot of stuff. So so when somebody says, <laughs> you told me you work at Airtable and they say, what does that do? What, what is Airtable? How do, how do you, how do you, put it to somebody that's asking, you know, without having done any research? Yeah, that is like the, I was going to say the the million dollar question, but maybe it's the $5 billion question. I, it depends how interested the person is, how I end up, how I end up describing it to people. But for folks who are, who want to go in depth, I usually start talking about two concepts. One is the concept of a database. Some people are super familiar with databases. Some people get a look of fear in their eye when I say database. So so I gauge from there a little bit. For me as a content producer and as a big collaborator and as someone who's worked on really big teams, I hear database and I think, great, that's what I need. Because when you break down what a database is, it is a tool that will allow you to get all of your data, right? And a good database will actually give you the data you want when you want it rather than giving you all of the data at once. So I start with that. Okay, so we have a database. If yeah. we feel good well, about database... In some, in some cases, the, the the example people might relate to the most these days is WordPress is basically run with a database. Great so example. A lot of people, Great lot of example. people relate to that. So sorry, I interrupted. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, I love it. That's such, that's such a good addition. And then, and a, you know, you can... You can use a spreadsheet as a database if that's a helpful visual for people. It doesn't work very well. It breaks really fast. But if you think about, okay, all of my spreadsheets, if I put them together into one spreadsheet, which probably hurts your brain to even start to conceive of, <laughs> then you start to get at what a database actually is, which is all of these disparate pieces of information somehow held together at once through the magic of databases. And again, as a content producer, I'm constantly trying to figure out where this piece of data connects to this other piece of data. So so that's like a good place to start. The second piece is the no code, low code piece. And this is hard. This was hard for me, especially because you mentioned I, I have a background in journalism and publishing. I have an MFA, right? I don't have, I, I, I didn't get into MIT, right? So So when people start talking about code at all, that's where I start to get really intimidated. And before, before joining... 
Sorry, say that again. You probably had to take an acting class or something even or two. In oh yeah, oh yeah. I <laughs> I I could do some poetry for you, but I, I but I and and I think code is in its way poetry, right? But but yeah, those are that's not a place that I as a creative person and I think a lot of content producers would resonate with this. That's not a place that I feel really comfortable, which is where Airtable actually gets really interesting. And that's where no code gets really interesting. So if you're intimidated by code, try no code, right? <laughs> like get rid of the code. So, so on top of this concept of a database, we also have the ability to build whatever you want. And okay, I, I should back up because build whatever you want <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> probably sounds intimidating too, right? So where I started, the first thing that I built and this is this is for my content producers or really anyone on a marketing team, was I built an automated review. So this was my first week at Airtable. I had this database. I needed to create a content calendar. So I did what I always do. I've used tons and tons of content calendaring tools, start entering in my deliverables. I start entering in my data and my metadata. I start thinking through the work back plans. And then, you know, okay. I've got to review this piece of content. I've had I've had a lot of like managing editor kinds of roles and that's definitely part of my role today, which is just you spend half of your day hearing from people who need you to look at something, right? Hey Margaret, can you turn this around by this time? Hey Margaret, like I could use your eyes on this. Hey Margaret, can I get a pass? Whatever, whatever. And usually my answer is, oh, well, when do you need it by? Okay, great. What kind of edit do you need? So they start asking these questions, right? And at some point, this is in my first week at Airtable, I thought to myself, maybe I could automate, like I always ask the same 10 questions. Maybe I could automate this. <laughs> so I built a form, which is essentially a creative brief. But in my former life, that would have lived in one place and my content calendar would have lived in another place. Hey, fill out this form. Tell me what you need. And I will plug that into my calendar at the right moment. You know, maybe the forms in Google Forms and the calendars and Smartsheet, whatever. But with Airtable, it, the form is within the database itself. So it's automatically populating. Amazing. And then, of course, you start to get excited and you're like, well, what else can I automate? So I actually built, I did it myself. I'm still really proud of this, if you can't tell. I built an automation that would let people know. Well, first of all, it would let me know I had a new review request. Amazing. Pinged me on Slack. I set it up that way. And then if I accepted the request, sends them a Slack saying, yep, I'll review it. And that was like this huge light bulb moment for me. That's code. I built an app, right? Yeah. Like that's all that it is. So I walked away from that experience, A, a little bit less intimidated by my engineering friends and B, just really excited and thinking about like, okay, what can I do next? And does everyone know that you can do this? You know, it's amazing how much sort of mental energy you expend worrying about like, did somebody follow up on that? Did I get that yeah. two time? And so by automating some of those things, I think it's not just the amount of time in my mind it's the mental energy that you can you can now forget about it because you're going to get paid <laughs> so. exactly exactly and it's so important if you're in a creative role to be able to automate everything you can because yeah. you just you don't want to waste cycles on okay i've got to write this email to my coworker asking them for this information that i wish they had just given me in the first place like that's not a good use of my time. And every single process, like Airtable, we're obsessed with workflows. Like what are the steps that will get you to where you need to be? Every piece of content's a little bit different. So you need to be really on your game for what's different, right? And looking for those little nuances in every process that only you know. 
that means everything that is repeatable, automate it, automate it, automate it. Don't bother with it. So, so were you, are you the first head of content at Airtable? I am the first head of content at Airtable. I have that, I have that amazing honor. Yeah. Well, it's also a little scary that they've gotten to where they had without one, but <laughs> it speaks to a great product. It speaks <laughs> to a really great product. Airtable has had such great word of mouth and such a, such a great, it's so, it's so we don't like to use viral right now, right? Because virus means something really different to us this year, but it has really spread within companies from one person to the next. So describe yeah. to me though, what somebody who's listening to this, you know, what is, what is a head of content do? What are you responsible for? What is your data? Yeah. The easiest way to describe my job is that it's my job to balance a huge need for volume. I, I mentioned to you in our, in our green room conversation that Airtable has quadrupled its marketing team this year yeah. and quadrupled it's probably 10x the amount of marketing we do. Now, every single campaign we run, regardless of where it is on our site or externally or on one of our channels, requires content. I can't post something on social without content. I can't build a new product page or landing page without content. So Anytime there are words, my team has to be involved. So we've just got this huge pressure around volume because the team can't grow without us, right? right? Like we can become a huge, huge roadblock to the team growing. And then on the other hand, everything has to be good. You know, we can't just produce a bunch of content. It actually has to be good. And at the end of the day, my team is responsible for saying, yeah, ship it. It's good enough. Let's go. And then this is where it gets really fun. We have to be able to prove that it's good. <laughs> so it has to meet our standards to ship. And then we actually have to be able to measure its performance. So there's a lot. There's a lot in that. So what is your, the, the good is a sort of subjective. However, obviously mm -hmm. you can look at, you know, you can look at reads, you can look at shares, you can look at dwell time, things like that, that would, would, would suggest that if somebody yeah. thought it was good, but how right. do you turn it back to, you know, I'm thinking you're in a, a meeting involving salespeople and they're sure. saying, you know, how is this selling product? How, how do you mm -hmm. tie it back to, to sort of business objectives? Yeah. Great question. Oh, and that's, that is a big part of my job. I could probably spend 20 minutes just introing you to my thoughts yeah. <laughs> there. So I'll start with a few places. One is upfront before a single word has been written, you need to know how your content ties to business objectives. You cannot tack it on later, right? That doesn't work. Well, you can get lucky, but in general, it doesn't work. And something that we do, something just to plug my my database, all content marketers should be really plugged into databases spiel. I will say, if you're using a relational database like Airtable, you can actually physically map each piece of content to one of your objectives. That's something that we do at Airtable. That is a really important piece of data for every piece of content. If I have a blog post, I open up that record. I know you're familiar with Airtable records as a user, mm -hmm. and I can see, okay, this maps to this objective, which is stored in my base. So absolutely, number one, you have to you have to be really solid on your strategy before a single word gets written or an outline or a brief, anything. When it comes to actually measure, and, and that, that does help you when you are in that room with that sales leader and she's asking, does this actually generate revenue? Because you can you can point to your objective and say, well, the objective for this piece was actually to drive awareness of our brand. Yeah. So so we're not going to have that expectation of this piece of content, and we were upfront with that at the beginning. So that's really really key. And uh, you know, for us, we are looking at 
how like if something is meant to drive revenue, we actually want to see that it is associated with pipeline. We actually want to see that that content has been consumed by people who became successful users of Airtable, whether that means they'd never heard of us before that content and they eventually went through our sales process, or whether that means they were already a user and we taught them something that helps them you know, become more sophisticated in the way that they use Airtable. You don't ever go back to the salespeople and say, well, this would drive revenue if you share it. Yeah, so, yeah, that's that's another good go-to. Content and forms and mediums and packages and you know, all these things have changed over, well, they seem to change, you know, consistently. What's working right now? What are you what are you seeing like this kind of package or this length or this, you know, what's working right now in terms of getting the most engagement or meeting your objectives? Sorry, my doorbell is ringing. I apologize. I hope it's not coming up too loud. Man, if there was one thing that was working, I don't know that I would have a job. So I'm glad there's not just one silver bullet that's working for everything. I will say a pattern that we've really noticed that I really resonate and feel as someone who is marketed to quite a bit, people just want the most direct version of whatever it is you are trying to tell them. I think five, even 10 years ago, content marketers had like just discovered that like value was something that you had to include in your content. There was this idea of, hey, if I if I offer you something of value in my content for free, then um, I will build trust with you and you will love my brand and you will come and buy my product eventually. Super important concept, right? But now I think we have all these brands who are just continually churning out best practices and thought leadership. And here, let me teach you something. Here, let me show you something. And at a certain point, you have to say, have we tapped out on the value that we can add in that way. If I if if I believe that for example a relational database is the best way to manage your content and that's what I want to share with people, I should talk to them about content operations and I should talk to them about how I'm using Airtable to manage my content rather than there's this kind of beating around the bush that content marketing can really engage in where you're reading a white paper and you realize oh, are you trying to tell me that I should use your product? I think that's what you're trying to tell me. And that's all, you know, that's all well and good. I produced plenty of content like that myself, but we've really been leaning toward, hey, let's just be upfront about what we think the best solution here is because people people can smell it a mile away when you're trying to like gently nudge them toward a certain solution. Yeah, because you're using marketing speak. Uh, yeah, especially... as. Especially when you're marketing to marketers, right? Like we're not fooled by this. We make this stuff. So you have to be really, really direct in the way that you talk about your product. And now let's hear a word from our sponsor. Do you want your home to stand out from the rest of the block? Vesta Steel Siding is one of the fastest growing siding products in the market. It's made of one of the strongest and most recyclable materials on the planet. So it can withstand anything Mother Nature can throw at it. Vesta's won design awards because of its patent design, rich solid colors in the plank-like profile and unique natural looking wood grain look without any homeowner maintenance. Be the first on your block to style your home with a bold, innovative solution that looks amazing for the life of your home. Check it out at qualityedge.com slash Vesta. You all just conducted a pretty comprehensive uh, research trends report called the Airtable Marketing Trends Report. Did there some nuggets come out of there that you like to share? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I'm I'm excited that you brought it up. A lot of what we found in this survey, so we talked to marketing leaders who are in fairly large teams about the last year and what this whole experience has been like, because we're really seeing, I feel this so deeply, that we're at like a real... I think this is a moment. I know people say that every year, oh my gosh, things will never be the same again. This is the moment. But I actually think we're at a certain crossroads and this is going to be a moment we look back in time as marketers and say like things changed here. So one really important piece of data that confirms a lot of what I'm feeling is 46%. So like almost half of the marketing leaders we talked to said, I cannot get the data I need when I need it. Like you, we've all heard the phrase data rich, knowledge poor, right? Like there's just so much information and you cannot uncover what you actually need in the moment when you need it, when it's helpful, when it's going to actually inform a critical decision. Super. And like that gave me that really gave me pause. It kind of takes your breath away. Like, oh man, we really (laughs) need to figure this one out. And that's something that we do feel like having a database that actually gives you what you need when you need it is so importantly, is so, 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 so crucial. Another big stat for us was that when you look at it at the end of the day, folks are spending like a third of their time on tasks that they don't consider to be mission critical on like what we call like work about work, right? Like activities, like I just mentioned, like writing an email to ask when a review is due or, you know, plugging something into their spreadsheet or, you know, all these little tasks that feel like, wow, maybe, um, like maybe I should just be replaced by a robot, right? If this is all I do all day. So that was, that was like a really big one for us. And then we just saw that like across the board, folks are really stressed and that didn't surprise me at all. I think we've all felt that this year since the pandemic began and we've all been remote. We're all working from home. Those little, all the little gaps in the way that we work together have really like a light has been shown, right? (laughs) Like they can't be covered up. Yeah. 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 And plus I've gotten to uh, see a lot of really cool like comforters and bed sheets and things, you know? So yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I know. I know the listeners can't, can't see, but I'm sitting here in, in uh, my guest bedroom. Like everyone's very familiar with my furniture at this point and has seen my kid probably more than they care to. Yeah. So there's, there's this intimacy, right? Which is amazing. And I know as a team, at Airtable, we've really valued getting to know each other a little better, even as we really miss being in person. But I think it's kind of coming at this moment. I talked a little bit about the the pressure around volume for all producers, I think across the board. And that's hitting at this moment where we don't have those lanes of connection in person that we used to have. So, you know, in theory, if everything had been working really well, the transition should have gone relatively smoothly. Like we would have missed each other, I'm sure, but by and large, our processes should have worked just as well. And I think what most teams found is like, we've got some strengths, but we haven't arrived, right? Like this this magical collaborative system that we all thought we might have been engaging with before has some pretty big, has some pretty big problems and some pretty big gaps. You know, it's funny, a lot of marketers, it's very uh, trendy right now to talk about, the, you know, we're putting humanness back into, you know, marketing, which of course is sure. kind of silly because it's like, why was it gone? But, <laughs> yeah. Where did it go? Yeah. But I do think that, that there's a little bit of that because I don't have the human connection that, you know, maybe like a good sales call sort of covered up, you know, some of the, the, the connection things or, or allowed us to kind of move through that. Whereas I think that 
it, one of the trends I certainly see in content is being more real, is being more, hey, we're not like the, we're not like everybody expects us to be in the industry. This mm-hmm. is who we are, and and I think that that's a good thing. But it's also, uh, I, I think what it's done is a lot of people have known this. I think it's mm-hmm. it's definitely thrown off the shackles to say we have to be that now. Yeah, yeah, that's so interesting. I hadn't really thought about it that way before, but. I think there has just been this push to be more human in our marketing. You're so right. I've been hearing that for a long time. And I think a lot of folks interpret that as they need to be funny or like whimsical, you know, like we need to have more jokes in our content or be self-deprecating. And that's how we'll really show our human side. And I think that works great for some brands. I think it's right for some brands. Absolutely. But what it should mean is that, and I find myself doing this all the time. And my team does this all the time. You should be taking a step back from your content constantly and saying, who is this for? What does this mean? Like, what does this sentence mean? Right? Like I, so many times I've found myself reading through something and I'm just cranking along with it. Sounds good. Sounds good. Sounds good. And then suddenly I think, wait, why are we telling marketers that their jobs are hard? They know their job. They know their their jobs are hard. Like I just have this canned sentence that we just keep using and we haven't actually examined it. And 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 furthermore, I I think I had an old boss who used to joke that selling to like big companies doesn't mean you're selling to like a skyscraper. You're still selling to like people. And as I myself have worked at like increasingly larger companies and like more complex structures, I'm still the same. I still want the same like quote unquote, like human content. It doesn't, it, it, I haven't changed. So why do I think that my customers have changed or my prospects have changed as they've grown? Well, and I think, you know, again, another overused word, but I think misused as well is Uh I think really coming down to transparency. And and by that, I think people want to hear, I'm sending you this special offer because I want you to buy something from me. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. It makes sense for you, you know, as opposed to, you know, all the tricks. It just still kills me that, you know, you go buy some $47 product and you have to endure eight upsells. Um, Right, exactly. It's like, you know, are people really that stupid? You know, I, I, it's, it's pet peeve of mine. But the reason pet peeves exist and the reason people keep doing them is because they work at some level. Yeah, um, 100%. 100%. That's what drives me crazy. <laughs> yeah. And I think that that's that's so true. I was just ranting uh, to my partner about a, a soup company that for some reason sends me two emails every day. And I'm just going, why does this soup company think that I want to hear from them twice a day? I don't want to hear from my best friend twice a day, you know, like where, where is the thinking here? But to your point, it works. It's effective. They wouldn't do it if it wasn't effective, but in the process, what are you doing to your brand? I think that's the question to ask. You and I are sitting here talking about in not such a lovingly way about their brand. So that's that's the, right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Versus, you know, and, and this is part of my job to get back to your original question about what a head of content does, which is like, monitor for both of those things. We're not just looking for performance. We're not just looking for conversion. We're also looking for, is this true to who we are? Is this how we want our customers to think about us? So Margaret, before you came on, your PR team said you were going to give us a 50% discount coupon for Airtable for the rest of our life. And so I wonder if you can share that. Yeah. Amazing. (laughs) I think it was 99% discount, actually. That was what I thought. Tell, tell people where they can find out more about uh, Airtable and maybe consume some of that content that you've been oh, yeah. diligently producing. 
Yeah, I would love it. Airtable.com. That's the easiest place to go. If you are a user, that will take you into the product. So that's less fun. That's tons of fun, but less less content consumption happening there. Our blog is blogged at airtable.com. You can read some great customer stories and check us out on YouTube. We've got some really great video content there. Yeah, and I think I think the probably the challenge for a lot of people is to figure out the use case with tools like this, you know, because <laughs> A lot of people jump from tool to tool and they think, oh, this project manager tool, and then they jump to this one. And I think that increasingly tools are becoming, you can't define them in some ways. They work for a marketing department totally different than they might work for, say, a customer service department. Absolutely. Like they won't even look like the same tools in some cases. And I think that's kind of yeah. the thing. Yeah, that's such, you know, when I first started at Airtable, that the the first question you asked me on this podcast, how do you define Airtable? I broke my brain about that question, right? And I was so keen that I had to find the like two sentence answer so that I could tell my mom what my job is, right? And at some point I I I thought to myself, well, I can't describe Salesforce either, yeah. right? Like it really is what you use it for. You can only really describe Salesforce, which is such an integral tool and is so clearly defined in some ways yeah. through what it does for people. And I think Airtable is in that same uh, category. It is what it does for people and it does something different for everyone. For some people, it's a CRM. For some people, it's a content production calendar. For some people, it is the way that they manage their entire business, right? Yep. It it really, it can fit, it can fit so many different use cases, which is what is challenging about it as a marketer, but also really inspiring. Well, your next strategy meeting, I suggest you take this back and just, you know, punt it around and see what people think. We make your yeah, life, perfect. we make your life not suck. How's that? Oh, I like that. I like that. It's direct. I like that. <laughs> this is everybody's biggest problem. So there yeah. you go. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, well thanks so, so much for, for stopping by the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. And hopefully we'll run into you someday uh, when we're all back out there on the road. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks, John. Bye. All right. So that wraps up another episode. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. And you know, we love those reviews and comments. And just generally tell me what you think. Also, did you know that you could offer the duct tape marketing system, our system to your clients and build a complete marketing, consulting, coaching business, or maybe level up an agency with some additional services? That's right. Check out the duct tape marketing consultant network. You can find it at ducttapemarketing.com and just scroll down a little and find that offer our system to your clients tab. Mm -hmm.